Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am Joe Prano, coming to you live from my fortified compound in an undisclosed location in the greater Los Angeles area, and joined today by my guest co-host from Santa Monica, California, Mr. Tug Coker. Hello, Joe. Oh, that was solid. It's it's Uh, the top of the morning. We're taping this early. We are taping this early. It's just after 8 a.m. Pacific. I forget what Andy called it last week. Pacific Coastal Time or something (laughs) like that. We're doing a little Uh, morning zoo today. We are. And uh, Andy Andy is not here with us uh, this morning. We are stepping in in his absence. Uh, We are basically running the same show we ran on Thursday, but we're flying in in missing man formation without Andy because, unfortunately – Andy uh, did lose his dad this weekend, and uh, so he is in no um, condition to do the Dirty Sports Podcast, and we are thinking about Andy. Um, You know, this show, as fun as it is to do with you, Tug, it really is never the same without without Andy. Um, When you fill in for me with Andy, it's like we don't miss a beat. And uh, I feel like when we do it without Andy, it's a, it's a totally different show. So we miss him. Uh, hopefully, you know, everybody uh, do whatever it is you do in your own religious sects. Pray for him or uh, think about him or whatever, because Andy has had a, a fuck of a year, man. Totally agree. Obviously, like, I don't want to be here for these reasons. I love you and I love Andy and, um, you know, beyond the podcast. Like, you know, you and I, the three of us talk offline all the time. I see Andy all the time when he's out here. So, um, but beyond the podcast, just like, you know, every, you know, all the thoughts in the world go out to all the Ruther brothers, Ruther family, Andy. And, um, you know, I'd love to be here for any other reason for, than for why I'm here today yeah super shitty um i mean walt has you know been a been a part of the show through the years i mean the stories uh andy living with his dad for a while there uh his appearance at uh the first pitch that we did at at city field and taking the pictures with all the dirt balls uh occupy walt street i mean just the stories uh you know, both of Andy's parents, uh, have been a big part of the show and, um, it's really, it's just really awful. And, um, you know, there's, there's nothing else to say except, you know, send your good, good thoughts, uh, to Andy, uh, send him supportive messages. Um, you know, it's, it's literally almost a year to the day, uh, that I lost my dad. So I, I totally know what he's going through and, you know, I just can't even imagine having, having lost my mom just a few months before that. That's like, that's like double, double whammy. And, uh, and it being COVID related is, is just extra shitty. Um, 
you know, the silver lining, I guess, is Andy did go home and, and get a, a few months with his dad. Uh, that's got to be a nice, nice thing to be hanging on to now that he, he was in Walt's house for all those months while we were doing the show via Zoom. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. There's, there's really it's, it's tough to do sports uh, with all this stuff. It has been for months. It's tough for Tug and I to to do this show without Andy, given the circumstances. But we're going to do our best. Yeah, I just want to say quickly, Joe. You know, and then we'll, he texted me this morning, and I said, you know, thinking about you. Well, I want to say this first. The the testament to uh, Walt and, and the Ruther family is like, I think Andy is for for, for however odd this 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 child is. He's a really good person, you know. He's thoughtful. He's inquisitive. He's willing to hear both sides of an argument, which, you know, it's harder and harder to do these days. And um, I think that's a testament to parent, right? They raise a great kid. And that's like, uh, you know, that's kind of what you want to be doing. That's why when I think of my, my two kids, it's like all I want to be doing is like raising kids in the right way. And so that's like a huge kudos to both of Andy's parents. And um, as you said, like, uh, like it's COVID related. So like, let's let's be let's take this serious i mean we we, we got to continue to fight this thing like let's wear some masks let's just be smart out there it's hitting our it's hitting people people we know like it's really happening yeah and for you not, for you not to believe that is just even if you don't believe it think about someone else yeah exactly and, i i you know we don't want to get super preachy here about yeah. you know everything but like i've said before and i'm and i'm wearing my vintage property of the dirtball fam shirt because i know that there are um that there are great great people that listen to the show that have always supported us and i know that sometimes the vocal minority uh takes over but um i've just seen too many things and and heard too many too many voices from uh, from even you know inside our our group of fans that are poo-pooing on this being a real thing or you know the retweeting of of the dipshittery that is out there in the world the clay travis corona bros you know vibes and all that stuff it's like don't go to a college football game this year <laughs> don't uh go to a buffalo wild wings unmasked and then you know be around other people it's really not about you guys getting sick it's about you know not getting people like Andy's dad sick. That's right. And, uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't like that, if you don't like hearing that, if you think that this, you know, has turned our show political, well, you know, bye forever. <laughs> as I like to say, yeah, um, it's just, it's just thinking about other people, right? It's that's, that's, it doesn't matter what you, you know, what side of the aisle you're on. It's like, we just think about the other person and then yeah. let's, let's try to get through this. So, yeah, I hear you. I, I did text Andy, you know, and I said, do you need anything from me? You know, let me know. And he's, you know, that's you know, sort of the segue into it. He's like, you're doing the show. I appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. So he, he, he knows that we got to talk about sports. We'll, you know, you and I will do it, with, but we're, but we're thinking about Andy and Andy's family today. And we're, and you know, Andy reached out to me and he did say that he had one uh, hope for the show in his absence. And that was that we open it aggressively talking about golf. <laughs> he said if you can do one thing for me um i know there was a wild week in the in the nfl and the nba conference finals are in full swing but if you and tug could open with heavy and lengthy golf talk 
I, it would, it would be an honor for me to listen to. And I said, I, I got you fam. The 180 that the dirty sports has done on <laughs> golf this year. Incredible. So I'm, I'm happy to indulge in that wish. Well, you know, it's funny that you should say that because I, I spoke, we, we you know, we traded texts uh, throughout the weekend and I told you that I found a way to make watching golf somewhat enjoyable for me. And that was as I have done for many sports in the past. I've just got some money involved. I put an early bet on Wednesday on, on Matthew Wolf to win the whole thing uh, for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, my, my thought process. But it was really just one Instagram story that was like shared to either his account or his coach's account, like late in the practice rounds where I think he was on 18. And uh, it wasn't even him filming. Somebody was like filming his reaction to the fact that there had, there was no divots in front of where his ball was. So he had theoretically hit the longest ball of the day on some hole in a practice round. I was like, Oh, that's probably a good sign. So uh, I got him at 66 to one and then was riding that dragon the whole weekend, which obviously did not pay off. And, and you know, this, I, t we texted about this on Saturday and I said, you have to hedge because you know, it's so hard for those of you who want to get involved or who already love golf or want to get invested, I agree. Like a few dollars makes everything a little more fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, but one thing you'll learn when you watch more golf, it's really hard to back up a good round. He had a 65 on Saturday. It's hard to back that up. He had a couple stroke lead. He's 21 years old. Um, and I just felt like Bryson was the person to beat. So, you know, in, retrospective it's fun for you because you have 66 to one and then you get two and a half to one and you're basically making plus money right the two guys that really have a chance maybe xander but he kind of melted down a little bit yeah um then you're then you're, then you're rolling it's like i don't care i mean i prefer matthew wolf to win but i also have you at two to one so i think like um amazing job first of all getting matthew wolf uh you know i think i think predictions in golf is like the hardest thing to do because there's too many players you know, and Tiger and, wins eight, 81 times, but anyone wins at any given week. Yeah, and and it's interesting. I almost split the money in between him and Bryson, and I was like, ah, fuck it, go all in. And God, if I'd only, I it, honestly, it wasn't even about splitting. I was like, oh, I could just, I could make a better money because I, I didn't bet a ton. I mean, I bet. No, you don't need to. It's sixty-six yeah. to one. You know. Yeah, uh, but it would have been a nice payday. And then, uh, you like you said, he goes. 60 what did you say 65 on saturday yeah I think, went, I think he went 66 on thursday and then he was he was four under then he was even so he he didn't back it up even on friday and then he came back and had a great round uh on saturday and then he kind of fell apart but here's the thing even with the money involved tug betting or watching golf for me still really hard because in a way, it kind of feels like a free throw contest. Interesting. Like, like, really, it was like, oh, he's kind of melting down, and Bryson's playing pretty well. And I understand that the course is very <clears> difficult, <throat> and I understand that there's a lot of factors, but it really is like, who's going to be clutch and who's going to fuck it up? Like, there's nothing standing in their way. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no one that's blocking the hole. So it's like I'm just I'm just kind of betting on or like even rooting for this guy like to play well like you know what I well, mean? Yeah, well, yeah, I, I actually think that's one of the reasons to like golf because so many things in other sports 
you, like you said, there's an obstacle or other people are imposing their will. This is like a true gut check. Golf is just like a gut check for you. It's like no, no one's stopping your ball. You got to play things as it lies. It's like a great metaphor for life in some ways. It's like so, so someone dealt you a bad hand, like deal with it, you know, and put the ball in the hole. Like this is just about you. So I, and, and in some ways I think that's like the one prism to watch golf, which is like, I'm just going to watch a person test himself. And is this person up to the test today? And Matthew Wolf is 21 years old. It's, it's only his second major. Yeah. It's really hard to win majors. It's a little easier when there's no crowds. And, um, but, you know, it's just a person. Now there's no, no, no crowds. It's really just, am I, am I mentally tough enough to execute on the things I've been trying to do my whole life? And to me, I think that's very interesting and compelling because – and you, can see, and you can see it early on. I mean, like, he was hitting his putts on Saturday, and, like, even early on Sunday, he's not hitting his putts. And you're like, I'm just watching, you know, LeBron. I mean, he's not the LeBron of it, but it's like, I'm just watching a guy, like, I'm watching Shaq struggle at the free throw line, and I'm like, hey, your putts, dog. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're it's a professional hard, hard golfer. That. I know. it's hard. You know, he didn't have a birdie the entire final round. Um, I think he shot 70 five um but you know bryson's the real story because bryson last year for those who don't follow in golf this guy basically said you know what i'm gonna go uh, away for six months and i'm gonna change completely change my body he comes out looking like a middle linebacker and his whole goal is to just hit the ball as far as he can because the, the the rule of thumb is if you hit it far, as far as you can past the, the traps and past the danger you still even if you're in the rough you still have like little smaller shots in and um there's a, so much discussion within the golf community about whether he's good for golf or bad for golf this guy his i don't know if you know this joe he plays all his clubs he's like a, he's like a scientist he plays all of his clubs at one iron length they're all seven irons every single one of his clubs is the same length for those of you who play golf know that's, yeah. that's very unusual right which which you see which you see if you're if you like follow anything in golf now like I feel like every third ad on my Instagram is for single length irons. That's it's really like interesting. They're pushing that hard now. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it, it really, it finally paid off for him. You know, it's funny. I played golf with my dad two weeks ago and um, he's all, he, he's like the tough, I love playing with my dad, but he's also the toughest to play with because he's so invested in my golf. And I'm like, dad, I play four times a year. I don't care. And I like <laughs> miss a fairway. And he's like, dang it. So I'm like, dad, it's, it's okay. You know, yeah. but, but he's always like, man, if I just feel like you could get in the fairway, you can really score. I'm like, well, that, that goes, it's antithetical to how everyone plays golf now. Everyone is bomb and gouge. You, everyone tries to drop bombs and flip wedges. Well, um, I want to, I want to talk. I, so I got this text from a friend of mine who's a member at Wingfoot. And this was 1.20 p.m. yesterday. So pro they were probably on like 13 or 14 at the time. He said, look out for the runaway cart. Bryson, below par winner, is going to drive the membership to violence. And this seems to be in just the, I mean, from the, from the one friend of mine who's a Wingfoot member and from the uh, few golf-related accounts I now follow, it seems like him winning and just like him playing well in general bothers a lot of people. Why? Definitely bothers a lot. Definitely bothers a lot because, oh, first of all, 
many people, I mean, in the podcast community, like you listen to No Laying Up, which is a great golf podcast, and people like people are in awe of what he's trying to do, but they don't think he's maybe um, he's still putting it together as a human being, if that makes any sense out there. And um, some people find it hard to root for him as a person uh, for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't. I don't know this, but this is a, seems to be some of the discussion uh, around the tour. Um, and some people feel like I saw a tweet today from a pro golfer. Like this guy is anchor. He's like, is quote unquote, is he, is he getting close to cheating? Is he anchoring? You're not supposed to anchor your putter into your hand, like to make it easier to putt. And people feel like he's, he's rubbing up as close to breaking the rules as you can possibly get without breaking him. And it, it reminds me in many ways of Bill Belichick, right? Bill Belichick is just the master at like finding loopholes. Right. And this is just a case of a golfer who's taking advantage of every loophole he can to his advantage. And some people feel like that's, you know, just not like the, the art of the game has changed. You know what I mean? Like this, the, the aesthetics of the game are changing. As far as Wingfoot goes, I you got to imagine, I mean, I agree with your, the member, it feels like the, you know, everyone wants to go to their course when they're playing an event and like, they want to show off, like see how difficult my club is. And when a, when a guy torches your club, it's like uh, it's like tiger proofing. It's like a, it's like back, back in Augusta when Tiger blew through uh, the Masters. It's like no, no, we got it. We got to you know extend this fifty yards. Yeah, but a lot and, of people are saying now. That's the thing that that's the thing I keep seeing is like roll it back. Like there to me, it's it's kind of like and golf just as a sport in general seems to like be so primed for this, but it, it just feels like this is the same talk you hear from like NBA and MLB old heads where it's like enough with the launch angle and this Walker bomb, like what happened to, you know, hitting the ground ball to the right side and moving a guy over. It's like, well, we have learned that that is fucking stupid. And uh, yeah, maybe you can pull it out in a world series game, you know, seven, if you need it. But for the most part, like, bloop and a bomb is a really good strategy yeah you know the only the one difference i'd say about golf is yes the athletes are getting better and bigger and stronger and more fit like you know i remember growing up people were like john mahoney i think his name is john mahoney uh, john daly just rolling around smoking cigarettes you know what i mean like everyone was just cranking butts and you and see, the, now, and you see like, the old the, the old guys are playing in you know suit pants and, and yeah. like and and now, tap now, shoes. Now, now guys yeah now guys are wearing like the you know athletic wear you know uh they're they're, they're working out before and after around uh it's great uh-oh uh-oh uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh, here, uh-oh. Here, come, here come the young ones. Here, here, come, here comes the young boys hi well you, you don't can see you quinn because we're not on youtube today can you say hi hi, <laughs> hi. <laughs> can, you, can you run and close the door please so, yeah, you're right. I mean, the one thing I'd say is the biggest discussion about the golf is the technology. You can't just – it's a little harder to say that with some of the other sports. Like, um, you know, the football is not, you know, becoming more aerodynamic or whatever. Here, like the clubs, the ball, you know, everyone wants to, like, roll the ball back is the discussion. They're not making it go as far. So that's, like, one, I think, kind of unique discussion that's happening in golf as opposed to other sports. And, and what's your take on that? Like, are you? I think. I mean, I I agree. I think. Look, I'm mean, I'm playing I'm playing club, clubs from 1991. You know, I need some new clubs. I think that's fair to say. But like, it's still fun to hit those. I'd love to see what 2020 golf clubs feel like. 
you know, there, there are people who are smarter than me um, about who talk about this all the time. Um, again, saw Solly on No Laying Up. If you guys are interested in golf, I'm sure you know the podcast. If not, check it out. Um, but they're talking about maybe what one thing you want to do is actually instead of lengthening the courses, it's shortening the courses. It's like in, find a way to make, let the smaller hitters and the precision guys back in the game. Because once you start making it longer and narrower, like the rough doesn't matter. And people just become – the long ball hitters are hitting wedges in and the short guys are hitting five irons, five irons in. To do that every hole 70, for 72 holes, it's just not a fair fight. You know, so I think there's got to be ways to think about the course, how people are structuring the coursing for tournaments. And then the, as far as the ball goes, I mean, for the pros, sure. I mean, for, for, for guys like you and me, we want, the, we want the best technology we can get. I mean, I, 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 the <laughs> charity golf tournament I played in last year, I fired a cannon and I shot a golf ball like 700 yards around to like a 500-yard dog leg. I'm like, I should be able to use that every third hole. That should, that was, <laughs> it, for, for every 10 strokes of your handicap, you should have one of those per round. So as a guy who's in the 24, I should at least have two of those, three of those on the tougher courses. Like that just seemed fair to me. If, you, if we, if we played um, like 18 holes, let's, go, let's say we played the industry hills that we played and you, and you would just throw the ball. Yeah. Do you think you could break the score that you shot? To, uh, this weekend from just tossing that's a great question <laughs> that's a great question i'd like to i'd like to i have a pretty good arm i feel like the the average man would be tough but uh you think, you think the golf club would get mad at us if we're like guys we don't we're your clubs we're like no no, no yeah. we're not playing clubs today we're, yeah. we're just throwing the ball you guys did, you guys didn't say it. you just said we had to have a bag on our cart yeah so it's here. here's our green speeds we yeah. do whatever we want just warming up, just like I think stretching that'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like I should start that sport immediately just to get a head start on it. You could be the greatest. <laughs> it's like it's like, you, 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 it's like you, frisbee golf, but it's just yeah golf. You and like Vlad Guerrero and you know Ichiro, just Yo, like Joanna just elite players. Is like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. he, he can't wait for this sport to happen. <laughs> Uh, we are going to uh, uh, move on here, Tug, to the NBA. That was dedicated to Andy, by the way. That, that was golf segment was – He asked for it, and he got it. Uh, <laughs> hold on one second. You are – I cannot – okay. Uh, so we are going to move on to the NBA. Uh, we're going to save the NFL for, uh, for, the, for the end of this show. But before we move on uh, – to the NBA, since we were talking about the technology in golf, I want to talk about the technology that is happening in personal bodyscaping, Tug. Mm, listen, our, our good friends at Manscaped are basically have the, you know, the 2020 drivers of, of, of personal bodyscaping. Uh, football is back, people. And that means it's time to throw on your team colors and make sure you don't fumble your grooming below the waist. Our, port, our partners at Manscaped, at Manscaped are here to save your boys from a Khalil Mack hit. So you stay clean and take care of yourself where it matters most. Manscaped is here with Surefire Touchdown. With a, with a, with a Surefire Touchdown with the best tools for your grooming experience. Now, Tug, have we gotten you any of the Manscaped uh, equipment. I haven't had the pleasure yet. 
we, we really have to because they've got the lawnmower 3.0. It's, I mean, it, it's a trimmer, you know, uh, like a clippers, but just for your junk. And I got to say, as a, <laughs> as a hairy Italian man, I honestly, like you're, to be totally honest, Tug, you're playing with 1991 clubs if you don't have the main <laughs> I agree with that. Their perfect package 3.0 comes with a new and improved lawn mower, waterproof cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when you're done quarantining. The perfect package 3.0 also comes with the crop preserver and crop reviver. These are two different sprays. Uh, the crop preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant, and the crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. I mean, this stuff. The idea that I spent, you know, more than 40 years of my life not spraying or toning my balls is kind of ridiculous. Get 20% off and free shipping with our promo code DIRTY at manscaped.com. Take advantage of the limited time offer for Manscaped's Pro Bowl lineup and try it for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with Code dirty at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code dirty. This football season, audible from the ordinary and choose Manscaped for your most important male grooming needs. I just have a vision of like the art, the research and development for manscaping. It's like, there's like send their equipment out to people and they're like, send me pictures and they're like, (laughs) <laughs> yes, the 3.0 does get closer than the 2.0. We are on to something. <laughs> yeah. And, and, the, and the old heads are like, this isn't fair. Roll it back. Roll it back. The divorcees who are still working with like a pair of gardening shears. Are just <laughs> yeah. like, this, we're not playing on a level playing field. Uh, the NBA... Uh, conference finals are in full swing, Tug. It is really two, good stuff. Very enjoyable. 2-1 Heat, 2-0 Lakers. Uh, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Heat go up 2-0. The Celtics come back and have a, have a strong game three. Win pretty much wire to wire. It gets close at moments, but uh, they, they control that game, basically. Uh, what's your take on the Eastern Conference so far? Well, you know, as a Celtics fan – I'm still nervous. Like we still have, you know, again, all three games, the Celtics have had sizable leads. And although they were able to win basically wire to wire in game three, still a little bit of shrinking in the final few moments, like where where they still won by seven, but put the game away, you know, like let's, let's just, let's take this team out of it. You know, let's, let's make Jimmy Butler sit on the bench the last four minutes, you know, let's, let's make them quit. We haven't gotten there yet. The Celtics, you know, we talked about betting earlier. The Celtics have been favored in every game. I'm assuming the, 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 the number grows from like one and a half to two. Now it was three uh, on game, for game three. Very interested to see what game four is like. The rare extra day off in the NBA, so I'm, uh, in the bubble. Um, they're flip-flopping from Monday Night Football. So tomorrow night the West go again and then the East. So I'm just – as a person who's like a creature of habit, interested in what that wrinkle is going to look like. I was excited to see uh, Tatum. You know, we talked in game before game two. I wanted to see he didn't have a great game two. Yeah, was a little nervous by his was he was his world rocked by the the Bam Adebayo block 
the Jimmy Butler sort of man move to the to the the goal after game one. Did bounce back with some nice game three. The I, I, I have not been saying this much as a Celtics fan, but Gordon Hayward was helpful in yeah. game three. It was nice to have a real calming presence come off the bench. The Celtics bench, I don't love. Every time Wanamaker comes on the floor, I feel nervous. Like the second unit is not that explosive with, with Marcus Smart not in there. So to have Hayward kind of calm people down, have a little bit of a zone, a person, not necessarily a zone buster from a three-point standpoint, but just smart with the ball. Yeah. Puts the ball so, in the right positions. And, and Get easier shots, right? There like is, that was, that there was is, nice to watch. There is, you know, multiple ways of attacking the zone. Obviously, if you're, if you're catching and shooting and you're making those shots, you know, that's, how, that's the easiest way to get a team to stop playing the zone against you. Okay, we're playing it effectively. They're just hitting shots. We can't, you know, we can't be playing this defense and just kind of closing on shooters if they're going to be making their shots. The other one is, like you said, and, and you saw a little bit of this from Gordon Hayward, is that just dribble the gaps make the make the two areas of the zone close and when that when you have to collapse obviously like the zone only works when everybody can kind of stay in their zone if you force people to leave a zone the whole thing sort of it's a house of cards all sort of falls apart and that's you know going back to college where you see a lot of zone played those guys are the most effective zone breakers they don't have to be scoring the most they don't have to be you know going through the zone and getting to the basket they just have to be forcing people to leave you know their coverage area and yeah I think that that was a smart play for the heat for a while was just to throw that at them and and see what happens and it and it seems like they pulled out that trick early uh the Celtics have finally you know started to figure it out but I my thing with this heat team is I just think that they're they're deeper in that they are just getting contributions from guys. Like it seems like everybody in their rotation has stepped it up and is now like one spot on a roster higher than they were to start the year. Like you look at some of these guys, you go, Oh, he could be a starter on another team. Now he could be the sixth man of the year on another team right now. And they just seem to be stepping it up. I mean, I think you have two good coaches. I think, as I've always said, when a series gets to, you know, a one game difference, this is as close as it could be, you know? Uh, so I, I, I certainly think that we're in for a fight, but even with the Celtics kind of controlling most of that game, the late run that the heat put on to make it at one point, I think a four point game late. Uh, that's the kind of thing that shows me you're, you know, you can get caught in these games and uh, I'm, I'm still leaning toward the heat going to the NBA finals. I think that's a, I mean, it's a good matchup. And I think the reason the Celtics won't get there, I think is because they're not mentally tough enough. Um, I think they're probably their top four, maybe a little bit more skilled than, than the heat's top four. Although, you know, Tyler Hero had 18 at the half. Like he's a good, yeah. I mean, what a second team, all rookie, rookie team probably should be first team with the bubble play. Um, but you know, the Celtics have been up 15 in every game. Like we need someone, you know, Jimmy Butler and probably Bam are maybe a little more alpha than Tatum right now. Um, and I need Tatum to wake up and be like, this is my, this is my, this is my game. Like and, no one's and, getting near me. I'm putting this game down. 
And it's unfair because um, he's 22 years old or whatever he is that, that that's where they're at. But, you know, that's also by their own design. You know, obviously true. Kemba was brought in and is more of a vet, but he has not been fantastic in the playoffs. Um, and, but he did in that, he did in that game have a couple of really big shots. So, it, you know, if Kemba can play at an all-star level and if Kemba can be a guy who, supports Tate. I mean, we will, we're about to switch over to the Western conference, but you know, everybody talking about like, Oh, AD, AD, AD hit that shot. It's like, yeah, that's what's supposed to happen. Like LeBron's still the best player, just like Jason Tatum is the best player on the Celtics. But sometimes you need a guy who's a vet and who's an all-star to come up big for you. And I think really it's almost like you need one of those, you need a Kemba game. We need a, we need a game that is Kemba's moment. Well, I'll tell you what happened is, you know, Kimba hit a, you know, Kimba has a move, right? Kimba has a dribble into your body, step back, hit, hit that mid-range jumper. Yeah. That's his move. And we've seen him hit it time and time again. And he did hit that in game three. They, they made a little run. He had a nice step in to kind of, to kind of stop the bleeding. And, but, but one thing I like about Hayward, and Hayward, you know, obviously just been snake bitten throughout the years as a Celtic with his injuries – but, like, he's got size. Like, one thing that Marcus Smart and Kimba don't have, it's when, when you get into a zone, it's hard to dribble in and kick it out because they're not big enough. Now you, yeah. have, a guard, you, know, you have a guard that's similar. We're not comparing Gordon Hayward to LeBron, but he has the size to throw over the top and get in and cause a problem. I can, I can shoot over you, you know. So that couple with seeing Jalen Brown be really aggressive. I'm the president of the Jalen Brown fan club. And when I see him be aggressive, I think we're in for a good game. So – I agree. The Heat have been, um, you know, the, the, the talk of what they were like ten, and, they're like ten and two now, or whatever in the, yeah. in the playoffs. Um, so it'd be interesting to see them watch them come back. But like the, the one thing you can say about the Celtics is they're in. Unlike the Clippers, who got blown out of Game Six and Game Seven, the Celtics play every. They're in every game. The, the games don't seem to run away from them, except for Game One against the Raptors. So expect the series to be competitive. And I think if. They can somehow win game two. I think they're actually in a good place to win the series because I feel like they've figured out a lot of the things they need to do to do well. So, but I think we both but, agree it'll be a dogfight. It'll be a six for sure, minimum for sure, seven, probably a seven game series. How do you think yeah. that plays into a for who, whoever, whichever one of them make it out into a finals matchup with what looks like it's going to be the Lakers? I know we uh, I, I, like. The idea of sleeping on the Nuggets now because they're down 0-2 after what they've done in a couple series is kind of reckless, but I'm a reckless person, and I think that, um, you know, you can only go to that well so many times, and I also just think that the Lakers are better coached, have better players, have LeBron James, like LeBron James ain't blown a 3-1 lead, ain't blown – I don't think LeBron James has blown an 0-2 lead at this point in his career against uh, this Nuggets team. I, I know if the Nuggets win game three, like I say, 2-1 is as close as you can get. You know, 2-1 it, it would be the same as if they were trading games. But when, when the Lakers win a game like they won yesterday, it makes me think that the, that the, the, the Nuggets are – kind of done for because like the Lakers are going to have games in this series and probably in a final series where they come out and they're hitting on all cylinders and they beat you by 15 and there's nothing you can do to stop LeBron and AD and 
when they leave themselves open to you stealing a win and they end up stealing the win, I think, I think it's going to be over fast. What, what do you think about Lakers Nuggets? Exact same feeling. I mean, I, I honestly felt like the game – I thought the series would be a sweep if not a five-game series. Uh, so I was fully ready to tip my cap to the Nuggets with their, their play last night. Really impressive. I think they are really well coached. Um, uh, obviously, I don't think they're – it's just such a unique team. It's like a quirky, funky team, right? Yeah. And, and, and Nuggets played so well. Last night, that, that tip, that weird tip he had to take the lead was, that was crazy. Insane. insane. <laughs> I mean, just one of the weirdest basketball shots I've ever seen. Just and, from like and, a little volleyball flip over. And the idea know. that you're even like, okay, I'm going to be like, I can get my hand to a position here to control this ball enough to make it a basket. You would just think that you would go, well, that therefore you also have enough control where you could grab it and and you know kind of put it back up but instead yeah. he he totally goes with like the volleyball redirect it was like a hockey play it, it was amazing it's like we talked earlier about john daly i think i i i envisioned uh Jokic just sort of practicing that play with one cigarette in his hand he's like let me get 25 of these flips okay and he's like smoking he just does a flip into the hoop as he smokes a cigarette with the opposite hand but yeah i mean that was a game they absolutely had to win i feel like you know anything other than Four, or, I mean, if, some, if this series gets to six, I think the Nuggets have done an amazing job. I feel like, you know, uh, LeBron is still wary of his body. He's like, he's like the more re- – if, if this other, other – you know, the conference is going to go seven, let's get this done. Like, give me five to six days off. And, um, yeah, to me that felt like the, 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 one, the missed opportunity the Nuggets had. And uh, the Lakers are moving on. I mean, great shot by AD. Like, incredible shot. Good defense. I mean, we saw Plum- everyone on Twitter seeing the Plumlee mistake on defense where he kind of runs into a screener. It doesn't call out a, like a weird switch call out. Yeah. Like, doesn't help. It doesn't help the situation. Like, they should have <laughs> – you got to communicate that before. And it looked like there was some conversation, if you looked at Worldwide Wob's Twitter, like there was some conversation that didn't get executed and just let Anthony Davis have a shot and he, he buried it. Yeah. Um, and – and that's a big shot for a big guy and huge. You know, and, and again, I know like the internet and their ongoing hate for LeBron. It's like, he's not even in that play. He doesn't want it. And, and to me, it's like, when you have a guy like LeBron out there, the idea of him doing exactly what he did on that play, which is like literally being a statue of a decoy is as effective as, you know, him, you know, being the second option. Or, I mean, it's like AD's going to get that shot off, and it worked. The other thing is Anthony Davis was on fire. Yeah. I mean, he was unstoppable in the fourth. It's like, let's just stay with the hot – no, at this – in this day and age, like, I'm, I'm just as comfortable with Anthony Davis taking a big shot as LeBron because he can get any shot he wants. He's – especially as he's rolling, like he was in that game. He was yeah. rolling. So let's just, you know, let's just take a shot. With it, with it, it, it worked perfectly. And, and he buried it. It was like I, no rim. It was fucking sweet. Yeah, and I, and I just think that is a, a testament to LeBron James as well. It's like there are guys, I mean, Scottie Pippen's, you know, pouting on the bench and throwing chairs. And, and you know, there's plenty of guys. The idea of, I mean, you know, even Michael Jordan. I mean, Michael Jordan passed on plenty. He passed on For plenty sure. of game winners. Um, but I think, you know, the Kobe Bryant's of the world don't let anybody take that shot. And I just think that's, you know, 
it's a testament to LeBron that he he was he's like yeah of course he's he's going let's get him let's get him the shot now LeBron did make some comments after the uh, MVP announcement that he was pissed off I thought his comments were totally legit he never you know he he continued repeatedly to say uh, basically essentially express that he was totally fine with Giannis winning it it's really about the disrespect of him not getting as many votes as he thought he deserved and what what's your what's your take on LeBron's take on the MVP I know you're not a LeBron got stan by any means i'm not a i'm not a stan i'm not a stan but don't um, forget to watch now we're talking which is currently on cwc that's correct <laughs> produced by uh, lebron's company and uh, mav carter and um also you can also watch uh last night's emmy winning comedy Shit's creek on cwc and then also watch now we're talking um thanks to everyone who has watched us so far send me a screenshot our buddy charlie ryan of dirtball fame made all the gifts so hit me at a sweet gift now we're talking. I'll post quality GIF um, on there. Um, but yes, getting back to LeBron, I, I, I'm, I mean, I think this is sort of par for the course for me for LeBron. LeBron is uh, an amazing human and also um, has a long memory, right? He remembers these things. I, I personally would like to have seen him uh, maybe not, maybe give a wry smile. This is not how LeBron operates, but if I, in a perfect world for me, LeBron gives a wry, wry smile and they'll say like, we'll see, you know, I personally, you know, like just some sort of comment and then goes out and dominates the nuggets. You know what I mean? I don't think he really needs at this point in the game. I don't know if he needs to bring up, um, the MVP thing. I think we all understand that he's the best player of his generation. Um, you know, so that's, that's my own take, but Especially like when he, he's so focused on so many other global issues. I was like, to, for him to take a beat, I, it shows he's human, but I was sort of like, man, you're, 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 you're like working for so many other causes in a great way. Like, I mean, yeah, he's, let's, he's, let's, let's let the Muslim go. He's, <laughs> ins know? he's Instagram shaming Lori Laughlin's, uh, you know, jail sentence. He's like, he's yeah. he has hands in so much stuff. But, you know, my, my thing with LeBron is like people love, like the LeBron haters tend to be like they tend to be people who stand somebody else like they don't hate there's nothing really to hate about how great lebron is at basketball i think people hate him because he is you know uh torching somebody else's legacy whether it be a kobe fan or a, a jordan stan and 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 what kind of makes me giggle is like lebron can't say he's upset he didn't get more first place votes but Michael Jordan can say, you know, I spent the entire summer uh, with personalized Carl Malone toilet paper and I would literally wipe shit off my ass <laughs> with Carl Malone's face because how dare the league. And then people will be like, he's just such a competitor. <laughs> he's psycho. We love it. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I'm the LeBron thing. I, I did, it did raise my, uh, it peaked my ears a little bit, but I was, um, I, I listen. I never go to uh, whenever I see Bronny James trending. I never go to it out of respect to a, a young kid. Yeah, I did happen to search over Bronny James and notice that there was uh, he was doing something that looked like un, you shouldn't be doing underage. I don't know if you saw this, and I, I just didn't. I, but, I didn't. So basically, he was caught. He was like smoking. He was smoking something on his Instagram, and um, 
regardless of whatever happens to LeBronny, like I was just thinking about as a, as a dad, what Le, like there's a lot of tweets about like what LeBron was going to do to Bronny when he got out of the bubble. That to me was like much more interesting human stories. Like, yeah. son, what are you doing? Yeah. Like you have millions of followers and you're smoking on an Instagram page. What, you better not want to see me when I get out of this bubble. Like that, that to me was like a much more compelling little LeBron piece. Um, but the MVP thing, I, I mean, you know, like I said, I wish you kind of would just let that one, let, let that one go. We, you know, if, if you're really a fan of basketball, you know he's the best player in the game and right then, now. And then there's sort of this other thing of, like, LeBron's not even the MVP on his own team, which I just find so <clears throat> remarkably, like, like people go, oh, well, AD had 37 last night. It's, like, the most – like, nothing exposes you more as a casual – than judging two basketball players by who scores the most points in their in their given game, like Anthony, Anthony Davis was scoring thirty seven with the Pelicans, you know, yeah. and they were making the playoffs. So yeah, exactly. And LeBron James <laughs> was dragging Cleveland Cavaliers to the finals. It's like LeBron James knows he's the MVP of the Lakers. Frank Vogel knows he's the MVP of the Lakers. Anthony Davis knows LeBron James is the MVP of the Lakers. Like it's you're just you just expose yourself when you're like LeBron isn't the MVP because he has AD or some nonsensical thing that he isn't even the MVP of his own team it's just a true testament to how good LeBron is like all the greats were able to I mean to elevate the players around them and like if you look at this Lakers team yes Anthony Davis is the best player he's ever played with uh no disrespect to Kyrie when he was like like a willing number two or no like outside to Dwayne Wade to, to D Wade, who, I, who, I, who I've said on the show is the is the actual alpha of the big three, um, but prime D Wade, oh five to you know eleven, twelve, correct. Um, but outside this outside this unit, like what are we talking about? Like K- KCP, Danny Green, McGee, Howard, like this team is without LeBron. I feel like I, I mean I said it before. I think they're top, bottom half of the of the West. You know what I mean? Right. So LeBron is. LeBron, like, you know, is amazing. And he's, and he's, he's done what, like, all the other greats, you know, did. We're able to make these players around him better. And he does that year in and year out. And now when we talk about their kind of lack of depth after their big two, how do you think that that serves them in a matchup against, you know, teams coming out of the East, whichever one it may be, that are built on being depth and on having depth and on having guys who can come in off the bench or that can go, you know, that can take over games when their better players go to the bench. I think both stories are compelling. The Heat versus LeBron would be like obviously a built-in storyline. See if Spolstra kept a book on LeBron, knows anything that would like, you know, work against LeBron. And, and, and like- sort of with LeBron's sort of mental – game that he has exposed over the last couple playoffs like if lebron kept a book on spolstra it's true i wonder if it's like get lebron to the line more it's like one of his kryptonites is free throw shooting like this finally make him get, go one for two at the line you know, hack a goat you pack a goat exactly <laughs> we're gonna go um, with the old the old hack a goat strategy yeah yeah um the celtics me I think are a little bit better fit for playing against the Lakers um, because I feel like Brad Stevens has always played the Lakers really well. I think they beat them earlier this year. Um, you know, they were able to play the, they were able to play the, the Warriors well when the Warriors were making their serious runs. Um, I like that 
you know, the, the Celtics with, you know, minus Kyrie really took Cleveland to the limit in game seven. That's just, I mean, I'm biased. It's a series I'd like to see. But I also feel like uh, Tice is like a nice – he's like a stop AD, but he's an, active yeah. enough, he's an active enough big that he can move outside and kind of stay with them. You know, when we get – and even Robert Williams a little bit. When we move into Cantor territory, we're in real trouble defensively. Yeah. Um, but you have LeBron – you have Jalen Brown. You have Tatum that can guard LeBron. And they, and they can – they have a nice uh, – if they switch everything, they have a nice ability to stay with both AD and LeBron. You know what I mean? They have size to, to, to do well, I think. And obviously uh, I, just a, another another volume in the ongoing Lakers-Celtics rivalry just gives – I mean, uh, David Stern's coffin is coming open with the boner that he's <laughs> getting thinking Undertaker about Undertaker gift. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but I think, like – I mean, the sad part is I think this, the Lakers would be overwhelming favorites and probably win. I mean, I don't think anyone's beating LeBron and Anthony Davis um, – in the bubble right now i just don't see that happening and and i don't want to get ahead of ourselves because i think if we do too much we just we awake the the nuggets and you know also we don't need it but i don't know when the next time i'll have you on this show is maybe it'll be thursday maybe it won't be till after the nba finals but what what do you think a championship with a third team uh in in the bubble with the Lakers, I mean, M- Finals MVP or not Finals MVP? What do you think? What do you think a fourth championship with a third team for LeBron does for the for the legacy? Does he jump? I mean, I, I, to me, to me, the 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 idea that there's even a question of like a third person being in the mix of the goat conversation is kind of ludicrous. Obviously, I've made my stance on the goat thing known, but like. For for the casuals out there, does does a fourth championship with a third team make LeBron jump certain people? It doesn't doesn't help me at all. Like I think this 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 title means less to me than his Cleveland title. Um, the Cleveland title was down three one, beating the best team in the world at the time. LeBron has added a piece. It's in a vacuum. Like this, this title, although you know, will count, uh, feels like less significant to me than when he got the third. Um, for numbers wise, because people care about the numbers, um, it doesn't do anything for me again because I feel like he was already the the, the second best player of all time. Now he's not my second favorite, second most favorite player to watch all time. I think it comes down to sometimes aesthetics, like where I just enjoy a person's play a little bit more but i think from just the talent he is the number you know one one or one a uh or one b or number two depending you know if you if you want to put jordan up there of all time that just doesn't change um but what do you think oh i mean yeah for me he's just running away with the one a uh but but you know that's just again you know there's i agree with you on the aesthetics like i enjoy watching the superstar pass like I, I think that that's the most enjoyable thing I think he's he does it like no one else he he you know, he in essence invented it um you know like to me as as a as a tall point guard in my day and a guy who took pride in you know getting people going by getting everybody involved uh the just the LeBron James passing is like 
everything for me. And, and, and I think it's what sets him apart from everybody else. Like, yeah. Okay. You know, you got the titles and you got the finals MVPs and you can score and he's proven he's clutch and he's proven he can hit the dagger. And, you know, he's proven he can, he, you know, every team he joins becomes a championship contender and every team he leaves becomes dog shit. Uh, Like what all that is what factors into the goat thing. But like the fact that he's the only person in the top five assists guys of all time who isn't a point guard technically, you know, or, 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 or body wise. Uh, And he's just, he's just going to run away with the, with the career accolades. And when you have all of the stats and you've got the championships, whether they be three, four, whatever number he ends up finishing with, it's like, you know, the, the goat quarterback conversation is totally different. If Dan Marino has two championships, a lot of he's in the mix. If he has two, you know, people are talking about him, the, you know, he doesn't have Brady's and he doesn't have, you know, Montana's, but if he, if he has two, People are talking about him and rightfully they're not because, you know, all the stats are great, but what, you know, how did that translate to being a winner? And LeBron has proven that he's got all the accolades and all the stats and he can be the guy and he has hit big shots and he's going to have at least half as many as Jordan had the way Jordan had half as many as Russell had. And, you know, uh, to me, he, he, he ran away with it a long time ago, but this would just, to me, I'm not even here. I, I'm, I'm no longer replying to people if LeBron James wins a fourth with the third team because I'm like, at this point, you're wasting my time. I will say this. I, t- I looked up the assist leaders really quickly. <clears throat> uh, there's two players within LeBron James I feel like are not, uh, you know, they are point- listed as point guards, but we don't talk about that, right? Like, like, like you can be listed as whatever you want. Um, Number one, Stockton, two kid, three Nash, four Mark Jackson, five Magic Johnson. I feel like Magic, you talk about inventing the superstar pass. I would, you know, Magic's one of the great passes of all time. Yeah. Uh, and, and also, like, brought that size that we're talking about. Not nearly as good a scorer or, uh, as LeBron was. Uh, his jump shot was – but he did have 42 and 15 as a rookie playing yeah. center, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the finals in 1980. Number six, Oscar Robertson, another – great like we a lot of us don't you know watch him play but we do know that like yeah tweener average triple double um so yeah so i mean but that's all to say that lebron is probably the 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 marvel character version of all these players yeah Um, and and look i i am willing to i've always entertained the magic johnson you know goat argument like if you wanted to say okay career shortened but like everything that he did and like the way he played all the positions and like i i think magic johnson at this point has become underrated so i i'm in no way i'm in in no way have ever been like a not a magic johnson stan um but like yeah i just think lebron sort of took what mad like has he's definitely more magic than michael but he has has grown in his career especially the second run with the Cavs and being a guy where it's like he will hit that big shot in your face and he will hit the you know he has has you know half a dozen now just like game winning in your face playoff shots and and then of course the defense I mean Magic Johnson was a fine defender but 
you know, can jump. I mean, not not a big jumper, not a big yeah. jumper. Yeah, but not, not, not athletic like LeBron. LeBron. LeBron is now a weak side block machine. Yeah. So, looking at this assist list is kind of interesting. Just to play everyone through the assist list, uh, a few notable uh, storylines. Steve Nash is number three has one more assist than Mark Jackson. He just came, he came back to play just because <laughs> he hated Mark Jackson to get one more assist. And if you see this next year, Mark Jackson, Mark Jackson he won't do any Nets games because yeah. he knows that, uh, that Steve Nash has one more assist than him. And then, uh, and, Chris, and, and, then he, and then Nash takes a job that Stephen A. Smith thinks Mark Jackson should have had. <laughs> that rivalry is so real. That white privilege is, assist. <laughs> we, we unearthed the greatest rivalry Look for Mark Jackson to come out of retirement next year. To play I was going to say, I was gonna say <laughs> comes in, comes into the Pacers, back, uses his body to back down <laughs> to the block and just dish to a cutting guy to get that one assist. Yeah, um, uh, a few other notable names. Um, Chris Paul is is uh, one spot ahead of LeBron, who finishes. I mean, he's three hundred more. You got to assume Chris Paul will finish more assists than LeBron, but you never know. Three hundred yeah. more assists. Um, all all typical names. Gary Payton, number ten. Andre Miller, number eleven all time in assists, and your boy, Prano Rod Strickland, number Love twelve. Strick. Yeah. Um, and then just the last two, I'll notice Russell Westbrook number up there, fourteen overall, and another current Laker, fifteen overall. Rajon Rondo, top fifteen in assists all time. So that's our deep dive. And I that's think your Dirty Le- Sports deep dive. And I think LeBron is now three on the all-time playoff assists. I think he's only behind Magic and uh, and Stockton. And Rondo's like seven oh, really? or something like that, and will pass like a bunch of people if he plays like five more games. So, well, yeah, they're, yeah, they're going well, up that. One thing I want to ask you is, just, uh, quickly, I mean, in, in the event, because the Heat are up 2-1, to one, I mean, how do you think they, they, they face or fare against the Lakers? I mean, what are our thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've been trying to think about it from the, the, the perspective of LeBron. Like, who does LeBron want to face more? And I, and I got to think he would rather face the Celtics uh, just in his time with East, you know, he, he fared pretty well against the Celtics. And uh, again, I think, you know, Spolstra slash Riley having some sort of back pocket uh, heat plan. I think that they would give him a tougher test. Um, I think they've got a, a bunch of defenders that, could be LeBron's slowers. There's no such thing as LeBron's stopper. Um, but Who's a LeBron slower on the Heat? I, I think Jimmy Butler and Bam. Who's, but who, Bam's not going to be guarding LeBron. But I, I, I feel like I feel like in a, sw- in a pick and roll switch, you yeah, they can switch, yeah. Up, switch everything. Yeah, yeah. And and I feel like that's a strategy that they that like a, a Riley Spolstra would take advantage of. You know, is like okay, we know that they're going to try to put us in a lot of pick and rolls. So, ha- like, having this matchup of who are we going to throw at LeBron on the switch, um, I think – and, and you've seen that from the Heat. There was, a, there was a play the other day where Jimmy Butler, like, swapped defenders – you know, swapped who he was guarding knowing somebody was about to be put, put in a pick and roll. Like, right. I think this is, this is like – heavily on Spolstra's mind is how to get his best defenders uh, on guys at post pick. I think you'll see a lot more. I think you'll continue to see a lot of zone, hard to rebound in the zone, 
but you'll probably see a lot more zone because there's not really a ton of knockdown shooters on the Lakers. I mean, I guess you have like KCP be one of their best shooters, but like, you know, Duncan Robinson's not, you know, sitting there in the corner for the Lakers, but ready to knock down six threes. The, the, um, yeah, but again, the LeBron, the LeBron factor on the zone is going to be, you know, if those guys, it, it, it then comes down to LeBron is going to break zones with passes when, you know, the zone shifts away from somebody on the backside and LeBron's going to go, okay, I'm going to throw the ball to that guy. I'm going to make that pass that no one else in the history of the game can make. And he's going to be wide open. And it's just a matter of Ken Caruso, Ken KCP, Ken Danny Green hit wide open jump shots. Yeah. And there'll be a couple of games where they don't. But yeah, um, yeah you know, it, it, both, are, both are interesting. I feel like I, I mean, I'd like to see, it'd be fun to see Butler versus LeBron, but I feel like Butler, sometimes you run, run into someone who does everything a little bit better than you. And you're like, oh, God, this guy's really good. <laughs> I feel like that's what uh, Jimmy Butler might be seeing with LeBron. But, um, Either way, it'll be it'll be it'll be it'll be a fun series, but um, and a I, lot of work I, to do I, in the East. Who knows? I love I love that Jimmy Butler has just fully embraced and is now going with the Jamie Foxx and booty call look. Like I love it. It's my favorite hair in the league, by the way. I just <laughs> want to go out and say I love the look. I'm a big fan of this. I'm glad you brought this up because you and I both care about aesthetics. Yeah. We like looking good, and I feel like Jimmy Butler got got something good working right now. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, well, we are going to we are going to transition here, uh, Tug, into um, the NFL. Can't but, wait! But, Very excited. Before we do that, okay. like the, these days, nothing. Uh, I I I feel like for football fans, almost nothing is more important than their fantasy lineup. And Dirty Sports today is proud to be presented by FanDuel Fantasy. Sports are finally back. Basketball playoffs, hockey playoffs, baseball, golf, and of course, the NFL is here. Never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great, FanDuel is offering users the chance to play free this NFL season, no deposit required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. I love using FanDuel. Uh, I have just gotten into it with this football season. And uh, I, I, every week now, I'm going in and setting my lineups. My, my favorite thing to do is to just pick a – do the lineup for an, a one-game basis. Like last week, I did the Cowboys-Rams game and made a little dough. Um, doing Monday night football tonight, for example, for a, uh, for a saints Vegas matchup will be a fun one. I, I can't imagine anybody taking not drew Brees, who loves to dominate on Monday night. Now FanDuel is offering the users the chance to play this NFL season for free. Again, I repeat, no deposit required. Just sign up and FanDuel will give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season. Go to FanDuel.com forward slash dirty or download the, fantasy, the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. FanDuel, more ways to win. And that's what I need, more ways to win, Doug. Yeah, so I agree with that. Well, however edge you can get it, you know what I mean? Any way to get an edge. Uh, before we go sort of game by game here, uh, huge week for NFL injuries. Uh, as far as your FanDuel Fantasy teams go, uh, a couple of 
for sure. people probably took a hit. Uh, the, the sort of headline injuries, Bosa, ACL, Saquon, ACL, Drew Locke, uh, an AC joint that could sideline him for, you know, what they're calling two to six weeks, although some guys have come back from it. Jimmy G has a high ankle sprain. McCaffrey has an ankle that he's now calling fine. Uh, Mostert sprained MCL. I mean, is this all a no preseason, limited preseason? What, what's your take on basically week two, the death of the NFL star? You know, I, I follow a couple high cash game fantasy players. And um, basically one thing they, they said this year is you're going to see it's going to be more of attrition than you've ever seen in the NFL. Um, this was a bloodbath week two. I, I really don't know what to credit to, but you're, you, you're, you may be right. Like going from like zero to a hundred may not be the best idea in the world. So um, it's hard to say other than like, geez, man, it's, you know, it's to lose, you know, we assume Saquon has an ACL tear, right? So he'll, he'll be done for the year and just, it's probably, you know, I hope it's not this the beginning, but you just got to feel like there's going to be more injuries piling up. Yeah, and Bosa um, but potentially done for the yeah. year. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of hoping. that's too bad because, you know, the Chargers defense is, is looking good. I mean, they, you know. So, that, so that's Nick Bosa. Oh, sorry, it's San Francisco. Thank you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Well, obviously they, you know, they, they, they are, you know, they want to go back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, sorry, I thought it was Joey. Yeah. Uh, I'm just checking. I'm just, I'm just going to see Nick Bosa. I mean, it wasn't there because there's a bunch of Niners injuries last year. I mean, yeah. last yesterday, yeah, G- right? Jimmy, like, Jimmy G hurt. Um, yeah. Mostert. Uh, Solomon Thomas, Mostert. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was another running back for them that was banged up as well. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because it right? ended up being oh, – Oh, to, to, to Coleman. I think Tevin Coleman got hurt as well. Yeah. So, it's like it's, – speaking of the fantasy update, it's like I saw a stat that, that uh, the Niners are running like 60% of their plays through the running offense. So – Whoever's going to be the running back for the Niners is like the hot pickup of the week. Yeah, um, which, which I think is McKinnon because the, the, the great moment in just end the season, J-E-T-S, uh, Jetsland, was that at one point late in the game, they had them at like third and 26 or something like that. And, and McKinnon goes for a, you know, a 50-yard draw play or whatever because – I mean, most of it goes 80 go. yards of first play of the, the game. I mean, I, I, was, I was the smart one on this show on Thursday that, that liked the Jets against the spread. I stand by that pick. If we were to play that no, – <laughs> uh, that, that was a pure fade Ruther play. But, um, but you know, you, you expect, like – can we just start with that game, I guess? I mean, yeah, yeah, let's um, do it. But it, it's, it's weird. Just, we'll, we'll, we'll move past it quickly. But, like, everyone who has been watching the, the AFC East was uh, puzzled by the Adam Gase move from Miami to the Jets, like, how long? How what's his leash? How short is the leash? How long is he going to be here? The offense looks putrid. Sam Donald's again. You and I talk about rookie contracts all the time. How long are we going to wait? We're, the, the clock is ticking. We don't even know if Sam Donald's good. Do we go all in on this year, or do we? Are, are, they, are the Jets? We being the Jets are the Jets now tanking for Trevor already with a twenty-one-year-old quarterback? Yeah, like which I, so, I, I think is which I think is reckless because you know you have tons of problems with the Jets. And Sam Darnold might be one of them, but he's definitely not first and foremost. And so if you're going to be bad and you're going to have high draft picks, you're going to be able to fill a lot of other holes. It seems like the first thing that you should do is immediately. And I mean, should have already happened. Get a coach who can tell you exactly what you have or don't have with Darnold. Like to me, the, the idea of tank for Trevor is, if you're going to tank for Trevor, 
get a new coach in there to find out if that's the move or if it's tank for O-line help or tank for defense or tank, like, you know, figure out what you're tanking for, but you're not going to know that while Adam Gase, who at this point, you know, if you look at his, uh, if you just look at his coaching history, anytime he didn't have Peyton Manning, he's been terrible. Spoiler alert. It wasn't Gase ever. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, and you look at, like, the weapons that, that the Jets are trying to play with. Robbie Anderson moved over to the Panthers. The Panthers aren't good, but he's had 200-plus yard uh, receiving games. Yeah. It'd be fun to have him to throw to. Um, you know, Le'Veon, they, like, they actually hit on Jamal Adams. He looks amazing for the Seahawks. Yeah. You know, he's oh, he crushing he's, it. He's like <laughs> – He was an all-pro for the Jets on a team that was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it doesn't make any sense. We don't have to spend a lot more time on it other than to say, like – Fire Gase immediately. Uh, I, don't, I, just don't, I don't see any other reason why not to. It's like, but, it's a, you know, the Jets going to Jets. Yeah. And, and my sort of 2020 NFL season rule number one, I put it on my Instagram yesterday, if you're following my Instagram, where I'm now putting up weekly football picks. And so far, so good. Uh, I think I'm five for seven with a uh, Monday night football pick of the Saints looming. Uh, just enjoy the stacks of money. J-E-T-S. Bet against the Jets every week because they're not going to make the spreads big enough. The Jets are fucking terrible. And just, uh, I, uh, there's a great follow on Twitter. I, I recommend, I've said this before. His, his name is Rich Rebar, Lord Reeves at Lord Reeves. Great stat, fantasy guy. Pumps you with stats. I'll use a, bunch, a few today. But as far as the Niners goes, the highest percentage of team touches to their backfield for the first two weeks is, is the Niners. 68% of their offense goes to the running backs. So if you're looking for that McKinnon like bump and the fan duel, that, that's the way to go. Certainly, um, certainly with a potential injured Jimmy G. I don't even know who the backup is. Do you know who the backup is there? Uh, I don't, I don't even honestly know who played. I, they, they were controlling that game when Jimmy G was out that I didn't they, they even just, they, just, they, just, they just did Wildcat. They just did Wildcat when he was out. They didn't even, like, worry about it. They don't even yeah. have him back up. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll pull it up right now. It was uh, Nick Mullins. Again, the return of, of Mullins. Who's good, by the way. Who's yeah, pretty yeah. solid. I mean, I think he, he, he played well for them last time. And I know a lot of people out there were kind of looking to, 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 to move him. So, that's interesting. Um, and, and not to mention is uh, – late 90s classic lullaby which i mean we can't forget with us a, a, a killer tune <laughs> well i know i know ruther uh his other wish was to start nfl with the jets yeah <laughs> so now that we've done that is there what other big games do you want to hit uh well we obviously we had the thursday night game which was the battle of ohio um a 35 30 browns win over uh a Joey, a Joey Burrow, a Joey B-led Cincinnati team. Joe Burrow throws the ball 61 times. And no sign that that's going anywhere. No sign that they're going to, like, ease their rookie quarterback into, like, hey, let's have a running game and play some defense. I, I got to say, uh, I kind of love it. I love it too. I, I I thought he was actually, you know, I know you're a Burrow guy. I, I liked him too. I mean, the, the, the key to me is to throw 60 times and to, I think he had zero interceptions. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So to, to, so to like be good enough to not hurt your team, 
while while you know, throwing the ball 60 times. Part of their problem is they're 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 not giving Mixon enough run. They they keep trying to put Gio Bernard in, and they just need to let Mixon kind of do his thing. But they got a lot of weapons, and I feel like their defense is bad. But I think you know maybe the latter half of the year you might see the Bengals do do a couple things offensively because. They're at least fun to watch. I think they're super you know I mean? fun to watch. And I think, I, think, yeah. I think watching, you know, this is sort of an old school uh, approach to like the rookie quarterback. This is like the Peyton Manning, you know, style. Like, okay, we're totally turning this franchise over to you. Let's see what you got. Throw the ball 50 times. Uh, you know, this is about this. This is fully about your growth and building this offense around you. And, you know, the next 10 to 15 years being like, let's be a high-powered Joey Burrow run offense. And, and I'm for it. I'm here for it. I, I and we, you know, we were hard on Baker uh, in the last episode. He did kind of uh, write some of his accuracy wrongs. Still waiting to unleash Odell in that offense. Um, but they got, but him, right now, they got him involved early. They have two good running backs. Um, and, and the Browns, too, Rich Hubar's stat, are number two in running back usage. I mean, they, they – and I know Stefanski loves that system where he's going to do a lot of play action stuff and use the running backs, but like, you got you to expect Kareem Hunt is probably my favorite running back in the league outside of his, you know, his, his public mistake. But like, I just love watching him play. I think he's an absolute monster. Yeah. And so to have him as your number two, one B option is just, that's just, that's sick. But, but at sick. the same time, they're in a very tough division. So they probably, you know, it's probably just playing spoiler for them, but uh, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow goes by Joey B. And uh, at this point, hopping on Joey backdoor is like, it, it's, it's just, that's a, those are winners waiting to happen. Joey, last year I had backdoor Murray. This year I'm going Joey backdoor because they're just going to keep letting him shoot. They're going to let him shoot the whole, the whole time. I know. Now, what, what a roller coaster for betters because Kareem Hunt scores late, late touchdown. And then Burrow comes back down to get it within the number. Um, I don't, only degenerates really follow that stuff, but you and I happen to be degenerates. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's what we watch. Speaking of late covers, uh, my, my New York Giants cover the five and a half. They lose 17-13 to the Bears. Uh, they're, on, they're on the doorstep of winning the game. Uh, they've got a shot to win it at the end. Uh, they, can't, they can't get in for a final score. Uh, no Saquon. Saquon goes out. Late in, or sorry, early in the game, uh, early in the first quarter, and uh, is is done for the year. Uh, as a Giants fan, we are zero and two, but we are literally we can do no worse than one game back because the NFC East is such a dumpster fire. Um, as an outsider looking in, should I have even a sliver of hope of some sort of I hate the term Ewing theory. I still think it's disrespectful to one of the greatest centers in the history of the NBA. But like a rally, we renamed it. We renamed the Bryce Harper theory. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we renamed. Do I, have, do I have any hope of a rallying around an injured Saquon getting involved in what will certainly be a terrible NFC East playoff mix? I think you have a chance for sure. I don't. I, you know, Bryce Harper theory may be in effect, but the the problem is. You're relying on a person that I know well, Jason Garrett, to kind of open up the offense, which is something that he's always had a good running game, whether it was um, um, Zeke or um, uh, Murray when he was playing with the Cowboys. 
Um, and I think like they, he just, he's, he's kind of uh, afraid to evolve his offense. And, and the first through two games, you're not, I mean, Slayton was very active in week one, not so, you know, not so good in week two. And the Bears defense is good, but it's like we need to start seeing some sort of switch and some offensive potency. I don't think we see that right now with, with the Giants. So you, you have to say, yes, you have a shot. It's because I agree. We'll get to the Cowboys game in a minute, I'm sure. But like, I was like, okay, we're going to be 0 2. That's terrible except we're in the division to be 0-2 in. So, sure. Yeah, I mean, you're still right there. <laughs> and, 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 you know, I, I joked yesterday on Twitter after Saquon goes down and, and Danny Dimes throws a horrific interception that uh, so unselfish of him to get on the tank, tank for Trevor, Trevor train the second Saquon goes down. What a loyal backup he will be somewhere but I actually think uh Danny Dimes like I still like what I see from him and I know uh this is going to you know I'm going to be uh, I'm going to get angry messages and that's why I have moved to a fortified compound in undisclosed location in greater Los Angeles but um you know Daniel Jones on a bad Giants team reminds me of early Russell Wilson on a good Seattle Seahawks team, which is he can make all the throws. He has like almost un, uh, you know, unmatched touch in certain throws, but God damn it. If he doesn't hold the ball too long and on a team, unlike the Seahawks team where Russell was doing it and he had Marshawn Lynch and a great defense. If you're holding the ball too long behind a terrible offensive line and you're turning the ball over twice, he's literally tur- turning the ball over twice a game. You're really not putting your team in position to win. He has to figure out how to get rid of the ball faster because the accuracy, the touch, uh, the pocket, uh, you know, mobility is all there. It's just the pocket presence of not feeling, having the ability to feel that rush that is literally killing, will kill him if he doesn't figure it out soon. Because like I've also said, the, you know, my big fear for Daniel Jones in the, in his, you know, ascension, out of Eli Manning's ashes that unlike Eli, his bones are probably not made of some sort of uh, alien alloy that, that right. will break under the, the highest heat. So uh, he will get hurt if he doesn't figure it out and figure it out soon. Well, I will say this, you know, you, you touched on the Legion of Boom kind of saving Russ early on, but the Giants haven't been, you know, they might, I, I'm not watching games that closely, but like the, 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 the totals are giving up aren't insurmountable. I mean, 17 points should be enough to – you should be able to, you know, score more than 17 to win that game. So Their defense is is as active as I've seen it in a decade. Like, like, didn't the Steelers give 22? Like, it wasn't like a ton. 26, something like that. Yeah. You know, Bradbury's been great in the secondary. Uh, You know, they're more more of an active defense defense than I've seen. Uh, Sticking with the dumpster fire that is – Real quick, dumpster fire. One thing we, we want to talk about, the, the Bears are 2-0. and Yeah. And now there's a lot of storylines with the Bears. They, they brought in Nick Foles for $12 million. They did not bring in Cam Newton for $1 million, whatever. But Trubisky does have that team 2-0. and We may be throwing paper tigers out there a little bit, but, um, you know, anytime you start 2-0 in the NFL, you're doing your job. So I, I'm, and, I'm assuming you're going to say, like, they're not real, but, like, I just wanted to mention that. Well, I mean, so – you know, I was going to transition into a stick with the NFC East dumpster fire and move on to your Cowboys. But since we're, <laughs> since you've already brought up the two and O bears the, at the same time, the Packers are now two and O they, 
they beat up on the Lions. That game was close for a while, not close in the end. And uh, so you've got the Packers at 2-0, the Bears at 2-0, um, you're the, uh, the Lions at 0-2, and your sort of second team, the Minnesota Vikings. We've all seen the great photo of you in the Vikings jersey. Um, your Vikings 0-2. There you go. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, the, like, look, Vikings are the first, according to Rebar, can you hear me? Yep. The, the Vikings are the first team since 2005 and the second team in, like, the modern era to run less than 50 plays in their first two games. They look terrible. Yeah. The They're- Lions are be bad. I mean, you're, you're right. The, the, the Packers might be um, resting Aaron Rodgers by week 11. Um, so the Packers, you know, for all my Aaron Rodgers you know, concerns doing what he has to do to beat up on a, on a, on a division they should be beating up on. And, um, you know, say what you want about Aaron Rodgers. He's they're always in the playoffs when he's healthy and this seems to be no different. Do you think um, that this, I mean, at, at this point, I'm, I just think the lions are going to lions as, you know, as much as I like Stafford, and I think that they have talent. I think it's, you know, this, this is – the Lions are a real great example of the Andy Ruther, you know, sort of Clippers theory. Or, like, organization, right? Organizational, you know, horribleness. Um, but uh, you th- do, you, do you think the Bears challenge the Packers at all? I don't. Uh, you know, I, like, again, let's n- – neither team has, has played anyone great yet. But the Bears have – the Bears have – did they play in East Rutherford yesterday? Uh, no, it was in Chicago. In Chicago. Okay, so, so at least they didn't have one road win in, in Detroit. And, then you know, they beat the Giants, who I think they should have beaten. So, uh, maybe Trubisky – I mean, I've always wanted to root for Trubisky. I don't think he'll ever be, like, really, you know, a world special. But, you know, he's been – I mean, he's, he's going to be a part of the Patrick Mahomes conversation – for the rest of his life. Yeah. It'd be nice to have him like, you know, do something well. And he played pretty good against the Eagles in that one playoff game they lost. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be doing anything to, to, to get up there with the Packers. And would you agree with me that the Vikings are done that like this team is over? Like, this, um, this, this, like I, I've never believed in this Vikings team. I think Kirk Cousins might be the worst value in the history of professional sports. Uh, everybody can argue all they want about what Kirk Cousins is or isn't. And I will just leave it as simply you're paying, they're paying him $30 million. It's reckless. It's cost throw six times. Yeah. To throw six times in the first half. Like there's just no, it doesn't make any sense to do that. Um, why pay someone and not you to pay them to stand on the sidelines, throw, throw three interceptions or to hand off, you know, to Dalvin Cook. It doesn't make any sense. Because every time he throws the ball, he throws it to the other team. He's bad. He's a bad quarterback. He's getting paid like a great quarterback. There's literally no quarterback in the league I want less than Kirk Cousins with his current contract. I don't want anybody I, less than I want Kirk Cousins with for $30 million. I think that's 100% correct. <laughs> um. Let's get out of the north. Let's get out of the north and go yeah. you're, back to the east. Your uh, your Dallas Cowboys have a huge comeback victory. Uh, you know the story, as much as we want it to be, the Cowboys showing some sort of life has to be what the the 
The Falcons are the first team ever to score 39 points, not turn the ball over, and lose the game. Like teams were 444 and zero or something before that. Uh, That's right. The fucking like the Falcons find new ways to mismanage their team. Like they're now setting like historical precedents with mismanagement. I feel so bad for my Falcons friends. Uh, I was texting with a buddy yesterday. You were, te- you were texting with Usher yesterday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> me and Usher were talking, and uh, he was like, my mom told me when they were up 20 in the first quarter they were going to lose this game. You know, and, uh, you know, talking about, you know, fantasy, I, I had Matt Ryan, so I was like, at least, you know, the guy's going to score a million points on my team uh, on the Cowboys. But um, this doesn't make any sense. I mean, I, you know, everyone – I still – I understand the value of going for um, the the Cowboys went for two down fifteen. They missed it, so they were up nine. Now, the, the numbers say that's the right call. I still struggle with the optics of that, but that, that's the right call. So then they're like, then they're then they're they don't get it. They don't convert, so they're down nine. And then they score the touchdown and get down two. And then then this weird thing happens. The game slows down. First of all, the fourth quarter takes like an hour and ten minutes because yeah. there's so much scoring. It's crazy. And then, you know, this onside happens. That it, it, The Falcons take a timeout before the onside happens. What are they discussing? Yeah, apparently, apparently not the rules. Not the rules. They're letting I, the ball go past the ten-yard line. I, I just – I don't understand it. So, it, for the, anyone who didn't see it, basically they have an onside – Cowboys have an onside kick that goes it kind of like it's a it's a there's no t he just kind of side spins it across everyone's just sitting there looking at it yeah so it crosses and then there's a scrum and the cowboys get it i have said i have said many many times that i imagine coaching special teams is like teaching special ed like especially especially at the nfl level because at the nfl level these are guys on special teams who have never had to play special teams. Right. When, you're in, when you're in college, you're a special team or when you're a freshman or a sophomore. And now when you're, you know, as you get older and you, you become a more of a part of the team, you stop playing. But if you have had the talent to make it to the NFL, you have never played special teams probably at any point in your career. And like, most and most special teams things are just a lack of understanding of the rules. And but you and I know this rule, and we don't even play football. Yeah, we know this. Everyone knows the rule of onside. It's like the one rule you need to know about in kickoffs. It's like the ball's got to go ten yards. Um, it's but the amount so of times crazy. that, like, the amount of times that a punt is kicked and and it's rolling around, and you're just going, one of these guys doesn't know that they can't touch it, kick it, pick it up. Like you're just waiting for that to happen half the time. Uh, like that was just so like, how do you not go just like dive on it? Like, I, I don't even know what the thought process, multiple guys. Yeah, I, you know, you know, did you they think it would the, be a penalty? I have no idea, but I'll, the, the gift I can think of is, um, Remember when uh, Leitner hits uh, the, the jumper over Kentucky and Brian Hill just sort of turns around and goes, oh, my God, that's exactly, yeah. what I, what I, that's exactly what I did when I saw that happen. I was like, how? How? Why? I mean, the Falcon, not only that, the Falcons, Younghoo Kim has, like, had, he's probably converted more onside kicks than anyone else. He converted one last week. Like, 
They converted four against they, the Saints. They should have put. They should have put him out there on the hands team. At least <laughs> he, knows he the should rules. Have, <laughs> should have been on the hands. He's like, guys, I know how to do this. Um, so um, you know what? I, I was already ready to say what you were saying about the Giants. Like we're zero and two, but everyone stinks. We're still alive, and now we're one and one and tied for the lead with a you know Washington football team that is, you know, doesn't look to be real. Um, but, but you and I know as well as anyone as being an NFC East fans, like this, this, the start of the season doesn't matter. It's going to come down to like the last two or three weeks of the year. So, and and here we go again. And, and and right now it looks like, you know, no matter who gets in the playoffs that no NFC East team has the, ability. like some NFC East team will lose their home playoff game right now. That's what it looks like. Well, let's go and finish off the NFC East and talk about the Eagles because at least at least the Cowboys and the Giants have the excuse of we had no preseason games playing with new coach. So let us like these are almost in some in some effects like we're shaking rust off with a new head coach. Yeah. The Giants have um, Jason Garrett involved in their offense. The Cowboys have Mike McCarthy involved in their offense. Like the new coaches and boob coaches you know, in yeah. a lot of places in the NFC East. The problem and, is McCarthy put up forty yesterday. It was the it's the it's gonna be the defense that's the problem all year long yeah. with you know with the Cowboys and the Eagles. A game that I think I don't know if you picked them. I thought they would kind of bounce back and beat the Rams on uh, at home. And are we are we starting to get concerned about Carson Wentz as his his ability to you know lead this team anywhere? Yeah, I am. Um, I, I am. I, I also you know I've. I've been pretty high on the return of the Rams. I think new stadium, new uniforms, bounce back after, you know, a, a Super Bowl slump year. Uh, I, I think the Rams are good. I think the Rams are going to be good. But, I mean, they came out and they were they controlled that game from kickoff. And the Eagles really did, you know, there was moments uh, where they started to find it. But, yeah, I mean, look – that that is again, you know, when you look at the Eagles, is like no Frank Reich. Uh, they've been a total. Wentz has been totally different since he left, and Wentz just seems to be, whether it's you know reckless with the ball, whether it's like he he straight up misses guys, oh regularly, yeah, regularly. Yeah. Like that's the thing is like when I look at Daniel Jones. He doesn't miss guys. And when you watch that game of a Wentz-Goff showdown, it, it's sort of, you know, the, the, the Rams don't need Goff to do more than he has to. Like, he doesn't ever have to make a great throw. And that's fine. And the Eagles are not in that situation, but seem to have a Goff-like character. We also don't have, like, at least Goff has good weapons on the outside. I mean, uh, Eagles are still working with Deshaun Jackson, who's just always hurt. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Riegers, who's a rookie. Again, no, no preseason to kind of warm that, that engine up. Two Miles good Sanders tight ends. For, two good tight ends. Miles Sanders played for the first week and looked good. Um, but it comes back to, like, whether we believe in Peterson. And each, each game we remove ourselves from the Super Bowl, we start to wonder if, like, is Peterson – uh, good and Mike Clay of ESPN says the Eagles are 0-2, having lost the Washington Football Team and a home game, have one of the hardest schedules left this year. They have trips to San Francisco, they go at Pittsburgh, at Green Bay, at Arizona, have home games against Baltimore, Seattle, and New Orleans, 
and then divisional games. That's a pretty tough road for a team that's starting 0-2. So I'm sure they'll find a way. They always kind of weasel themselves into some sort of 8-8 eight and eight playoff potential, but um, it's not going to be easy this year. Yeah, I, 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 just, I just think the NFC East team, whoever it may be, and I have ruled out absolutely no one, including the Washington football team and, and the New York Giants, um, will probably lose a playoff home game. Uh, Washington loses to Arizona. Uh, Arizona's feisty. Uh, Callum, Callum Murray's is balling out right now. Yeah. You know, he's like, talk about modern day football, like able to use your feet, able to throw. I mean, the one the one person who didn't need a preseason uh, was DeAndre Hopkins working with the new quarterback because this guy's getting just getting targets. He's scoring. He, he, t- monster game week one scores again week two. Um, they're they're I haven't watched much of them, but 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 the stats show they should be a team that I probably should be watching because they look like they're super fun. I just say let's just. Pick two NFC East teams and put them in the NFC West for the rest of the year and, and swap two NFC West teams in the NFC East so we can get two decent division winners <laughs> instead of, like, the idea that some g- good team from the NFC West finishing third and missing the playoffs, um, you know, a Niners team with injury bug or this feisty Cardinals team because the Rams and the Seahawks look pretty darn good. And I'd love to see all of those teams in a playoff and none of the NFC East teams, including my Giants. I don't want to see any of these teams in the postseason. Um, we'll start ripping through these games. I know you're on a time, time crunch. Uh, Titans beat the Jaguars closer probably than it should be. Yeah, Minshew is feisty. And you know, I thought he's a good, good scrappy little player. I watched him in Vegas last year blow up one of my tickets. And um, – yeah, they're competitive, and we're still waiting. It's funny because you and I both thought that the bounce-back game for the Titans, and they did win. They are 2-0, and but they have not unleashed this sort of level. And they were up by 10 um, and kind of let them back into a late, uh, you know, close one. But just haven't seen that team kind of do the we're really good, let's, let's beat someone down game yet. But meanwhile, uh, Tannehill – 18 for 24, 239, and four touchdowns. They are scoring more points than they scored last year. And obviously they're built around defense and running the ball. So, you know, maybe it takes some time for that defense to become, you know, the stoppers they were last year. But if you're getting this kind of production out of your quarterback, you got to feel pretty good again about being 2-0 and in a short. No A.J. Brown then. yesterday. Johnny yeah. Smith, two touchdowns. And, um, and they do have Clowney. Like, I mean, Clowney maybe won't, you know, start to show off after his gets, gets used to the system or whatever. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's better, I mean no matter how you slice it, it's better to be 2-0 than 1-2. Yeah. So, and, um, ja- and, and the Jaguars are just going to be, like, the fun spoiler team the whole year. Like, you never know when they're going to catch you. Uh, Bill's Dolphins closer than it should be. Uh, there's a lightning delay. Um, yeah. Josh Allen. 24 for 35, 417 and four touchdowns. Uh, Fitzmagic also throws 47 times for over 300 yards and a couple TDs. Um, a lot of people are on the Josh Allen hype train. Uh, I just, I, I just feel like he's got to sort of dial in. Like the highs are too high, the lows are too low. Uh, but he certainly has, he's certainly a lot of fun. Big arm, big legs, big everything. One thing Rich Rebar says, he says that, you know, his first two seasons um, throwing at 15-plus yards, he threw it a 32.8% clip. For two, through two games this year, he's thrown 12 of 14 
for 334. Uh, it's 85.7%. So are we seeing more accuracy? Maybe we're just seeing because John Brown is we, – we all know – we always forget about John Brown, really good sort of deep ball threat. Added with Stephon Diggs. They're actually the most pass-happy team in the league right now. I, I love um, the, the coaching staff at the Bills. I agree. I think uh, really good, smart, disciplined staff. Like, their defense is always going to show up. And um, Josh Allen, like, they're found another year to sort of build around him. Um, I, I also know this. For fantasy purposes, I remember the first half of the year they said is very easy for the Bills. And then it kind of gets back half tough. They probably play. They probably play like the Patriots and some other defensive stalwarts. But like, although we can't say that about last night with the Pats team, but um, looking good right now. Yeah, and and looking I good. think that, I, I think that, you know your stat about the the deep ball accuracy and accuracy in general. I mean, the big knock on Josh Allen is if you can't be accurate in college, how can you be accurate in the NFL? Yes, and yes. Uh, you know, I I think again, it's like. Yes, there's th- th- this move to the modern, like accurate quarterback, like turn the ball over, you know, as little as possible, like long gone are the days of like the great quarterbacks who throw 15, 20 interceptions. But at the same time, you know, he, he does have an explosiveness factor. And if their defense can play well, uh, I, I, like, I like this Bills team. I do. And I, I so, think – It's so funny <laughs> – a move, a move to like a Bills Patriots post Brady like AFC East is fun. Uh, you know, I mean, J- Josh Allen like sometimes it's easier to have a little deep ball touch because remember we saw Week One he did have a dude running wide open in the end zone and he threw it about five rows into the stands. So yeah, maybe not maybe not running while <laughs> throwing while running, but like it, there are signs for for definite positivity uh, in Buffalo. Yeah, no, I mean, look, look, I think that's exactly the thing. It's like his, his arm just might be too big. You know, <laughs> like I remember, I, I, I remember when I moved to center field after just too many like charged ground balls at third and then overthrow into, you know, 20 rows into the stands. Uh, you got all the time in the world there, guy, uh, you know set your feet and throw. And I would just exactly let it fly. Um, so yeah, I, I like it. And, and it's, and it's just a fun, it's a fun look for them. It really is a lot of fun. It's great to have the bills be good. Um, uh, lock, lock goes down. Driscoll comes in. It's a close game. Steelers two and 26, 21 over the Broncos. Uh, Broncos have looked scrappy, but with a quarterback who's going to be missing time, I, you know, tough, tough spot to be in, in the AFC West. Driscoll did play a lot last year, um, and he's mobile, which is good. Uh, you know, like you said, they did they did show up and play. You know, in Pittsburgh, played well. This, this, the, the the Broncos have a problem. Maybe they shouldn't have been in that game, but they it's another in the stats column. It's another one score loss for the Vic Fangio regime. So, when are these going to change? They had a chance to. They actually had a chance to win the game. They had the they yeah. were driving. They had the ball, and then they they turned it over on downs late with a sack. But. Um, the, the, the Broncos continue to have chances and they continue to not convert. So interesting to watch that. Um, what happens, you know, over the course of the year with the Broncos. Are you a buyer of the Steelers? Do you think the Steelers are contenders? Uh, I don't know about full contenders yet. The, the a, a contender to me sort of blows that Broncos team out. Yeah. Um, I don't think, but, the Raven, I don't think the Ravens are playing a one score game at home against that Broncos team. I agree. I agree. So, well, it'd be interesting to see as the year goes on, but they, they, they look good, but I wouldn't put them in the elite tier of the AFC yet. 
Uh, the Buccaneers don't look incredible, but they get a win that everybody, I think, thought they would get. Uh, the really killer part of that game for me is the late Leonard Fournette run that gets them the cover. Just backbreaking. I loved I loved the Panther, Panthers plus eight and a half. They lose McCaffrey early. That hurts, but they're still there. They're, st- they're still covering. They're still down seven when Fournette decides to, to break one off and, and kill my perfect Sunday. Classic um, Fournette. Yeah. Um, Chiefs, Chargers, uh, what I can't understand, I mean, I think division games like this, uh, playing a close game like this and getting a win, I think is exactly what good teams do. So, you know, the Chiefs haven't looked incredible so far, but I'm not super worried about them. What I am worried about is the Chargers seeing the game Justin Herbert plays and saying Tyrod Taylor is still their starter if he's healthy, which – for uh, the Welches out there who still owe me money is exactly uh, what the Browns didn't do when Tyrod Taylor got healthy is say he was their starter still. That's why you owe me $100, you piece of human garbage. Um, Now, how do they go back to Tyrod Taylor if he's healthy? I don't know. I mean, we expect to see uh, Herbert probably play the bulk of the back half of the year. He did play well against a team that that is, the defense is not the best part of the, the Kansas City Chiefs, obviously. Uh, but he did, he did show signs of life. I mean, I agree. He might just be coach speak right now. We'll see. The problem is actually not the coach speak. It's the coach's decision to punt from fourth and short in overtime and give the ball back. I guess Anthony Lynn, who actually liked a lot from hard knocks, basically said he wanted to give the, the, the Chargers the chance to extend the game. The, the, you, the, you don't play football to extend games. Um, you play you, you're playing to the, win to the win. game. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I mean, you're kicking the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. Reckless. It's, just, it's so reckless. I don't care how good your defense is, and it is very good. Um, you got to try to win the game. Um, yeah. you, and by winning the game is you don't, give the, you don't give Mahomes a chance. We saw that in the Super Bowl, and we saw it yesterday. And um, that's something that I feel like, you know, it's, it's another coaching it's, – it's an epidemic in coaching. People just yeah. don't know how to, to do the fourth and short and stay aggressive. I feel, like every, um, I feel like every NFL coach at this point needs one Madden gamer who's, like, in that booth upstairs who, like, literally looks up from the, the simulation of the game he's playing and he's like, no, 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 absolutely you go for it here. And then goes back it's Joaquin to Phoenix. It's Joaquin Phoenix and Gladiator, right? He's like, yeah. he looks up. The guy's like thumbs up or thumbs down. He's <laughs> like, thumbs up. We got to go for it. Joaquin um, says go for it. Ravens, Texans isn't much of a game. Bill O'Brien's a boob. Texans are not going to be good. Ravens, you know, are, are good, are going to be good. We can move on from that pretty quickly. I think yeah. we'll, just, we'll just talk Patriots, Seahawks to wrap this up and then get you out of here so you can get back to parenting. Uh, yeah. A close game comes down to what I thought was uh, – we can dissect the game, but let's just dissect the last play. I was watching at a bar. I knew they were going to run Cam. The guy next to me who may have been watching his first football game ever knew they were going to run Cam. Uh, The dog that was on the bar patio barked Cam right before the play. (laughs) Uh, I I just think it's – pathetically uncreative for bill belichick i i totally understand the reasoning uh but i just think how is that your play call there pretty widely criticized obviously and i think the you know i actually was not expecting a run because i thought i was trying to think into it i thought the perfect play was a tim tebow jump pass 
That's the play that I was kind of hoping to see. I saw it in my head. I saw yeah. that play in my head. It just seems so, it seems so easy, right? Like, we, you do the exact run with Cam that he started, and it's just someone breaks out and it's like, bloop, we'll see you later. Yep. It just seemed like the easiest play for me because, you're, you know, many people have said it online. Like, you, you're going to go, you're you're go full run package. Don't even spread them. Yeah, like don't even don't even give them the the hint that you're gonna throw the ball. They it's didn't like, even all... they didn't they didn't even motion the running back to the other side yeah. like they did on the goal line earlier in the game, which you're like, wait, what's this? And then he just runs it right off of that guy's tail. Yeah, I was waiting for the jump pass or just something because you know he he thrown the ball pretty well that day. Yeah. Edelman had his, his biggest day of his career as a Patriot yesterday, uh, which is saying something after playing with Brady for all these years. And Cam looks good, man. Cam is a steal. For the, it's, a, it's a joke that, you know, the Patriots are able to grab him uh, for a million dollars. Um, but, yeah, that play, was, that play was not good. I mean, maybe it was like a, a, a tip of the cap to uh, Pete Carroll because he's like, listen, Bill's like, listen, you gave me a Super Bowl by throwing. Um, I'm going to run this for you right into one of your guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, like a coaching, that's like a coaching thing. It's a fraternity. It just, it just seems so obvious to me that, like, that's a fine play call on first down or second down or third down, but like back against the wall, you need to get it. Like the, the idea of having a play to be Bill Belichick and have a play for the game that has one option. You know what I mean? You don't have to be fucking Dr. Strange to know that there's, you know, two possible outcomes. He gets in or he gets fucking stopped. Just like have more possibilities. Um, I hated it. And, uh, well, the yeah. one thing I will say, uh, it, 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 you know, it, it was a good game, fun game. Great game. Um, and, and I will say this, uh, Andy couldn't be here today, but he wanted to make sure that we did talk about how good Russell Wilson looked last night. I mean, Russell Wilson is shredding the NFL through two games, five touchdowns last night to five different receivers. You know, we, I, I know you have issues with him holding the ball, but he looks like if they're going to let Russ cook this, uh, this year, it's starting off so well. Thoughts on what you're seeing from your boy, Russell Wilson? No, he has, he has been great through two games. And I think, you know, playing against this Patriots team, regardless of what they are now, uh, is a test from just a, you know, Bill Belichick, uh, opposition standpoint. I, look, you know, the, the messages that I get whenever Russell Wilson has a game is always like, can you admit that Russell's good now? And I think that that's been the biggest uh, problem with words coming out of my mouth and how they land on some people's ears. I have simply said that Russell Wilson is overrated because I think my my problem with Russell Wilson is everybody has treated Russell Wilson in the past like he is Russell Wilson of the present. And I'm like, I have seen growth. And I have also seen the fall off of other great quarterbacks in the NFL. Russell Wilson is a top five quarterback in the NFL now. And it is because Russell Wilson has gotten better and Brady has fallen off. And, you know, uh, Peyton Manning has left the building and Drew Brees, you know, whether or not you think he's still up there, is starting to age out. Like, guys have left. Russell has, you know, picked it up, picked up the, uh, you know, picked up his game. But I, my, my problem with Russell is always that this is the Russell that you guys – it's like all of these things can be true. 
you guys have always said this is Russell. And the fact is that it wasn't until now. And we will see if that continues because my other criticism of Russell Wilson is he has not been this guy come playoff time. Uh, he has been the go to the game manager, win games, or if you're letting Russ cook, he's not converting on third down against teams like the Cowboys. And uh, he had, he was fantastic yesterday, but I also got a ton of criticism for comparing him to Cam Newton in the past. And I said, I think Cam Newton is also overrated. And if Cam Newton were on good teams, he could go undefeated and win the Super Bowl. He went 15 and one and made the Super Bowl. He plays last night. He goes for 400 yards a touchdown. He's a one yard away from winning the game. Like my comparisons, uh, I think have always been spot on. And Russell has started to get rid of the ball. True. I mean, he's just he's just so good. He's still good at like just making things open. He's the receivers, you know, continue to they don't quit on the play. He also does not quit on the play. He's able to find them. I thought last night was really fun to watch both quarterbacks get in there and do something cool. I think Cam Newton, you know, for much as he's on the Panthers, like he wasn't prime time. I don't, I don't know if the Panthers were on prime time all that often. And when you watch him, like you just realize this, this dude is like a giant yeah. quarterback. He's humongous and um, really fun to watch him sling it from the pocket too. I mean, imagine if they had like, you know, Edelman's a good slot player, but, like, Nikhil Harry's, like, the guy outside. It'd be nice to see if they had, like, Josh Gordon back or something like that to really add another weapon. But and going, and fun going, game. Thir- going 30 for 44 for almost 400 yards is a, a, a great passing game for, for Cam. I, my criticism of Cam has always been, like, I think games like that are made possible by his ability with his legs. And, you know, there's only so long that – you can do that without risk of injury, which he has obviously struggled with and with age catching up with you. But that's why I love the move for the Patriots. And I've said it from the beginning because Bill Belichick is very clearly using cam uh, like he's on a one-year contract and, and, no, good, for, no and good for him and good for him. Um, and, and Russell played great. And you can't uh, you can't, you also look, uh, people have loved to say that Russell didn't have weapons in the past, but like there's a difference. I think great elite quarterbacks make guys who are not, wouldn't be called quote unquote weapons into weapons. But then you also add a guy like a DK Metcalf, who's just a absolute freak that is going to raise the level of your quarterback play. Because I mean, I know that was a nice pass, but there's not a lot of guys who come down with that touchdown pass that DK Metcalf came down with. It's true. I mean, you know, in, there was, in the middle of Russell's that late 20-teens era, you know, there was Doug Baldwin and Lockett. Now it's Lockett and Metcalf. They did throw five touchdowns of five different dudes. Yeah. He's got, like, he's got like eight tight ends to throw to, Greg Golson included. Um, the, the, the defense is actually maybe the weak link of that offense, of that team this year, because they don't, they, they've played two pretty potent offenses in the Falcons and the, the Patriots, giving up some points in both games. But um, – the NFL is just more fun when people are slinging it. So, uh, fun to watch Cam and Russ last night. We're going to get out of here, Chuck. Do you give the uh, Raiders any chance at home tonight on Monday Night Football against the Saints? I do. I 100% do. I know you're going to bet on the Saints, and I wish you luck. Um, I don't think I'll have anything on it, so I'm happy for that to happen. But I just feel like the Saints struggle on the road. We know it pretty well. Um, you know, and you said Drew Brees does like to get out there and, and be amazing on Monday Night Football. But um, – 
it's it's like this reminds me of when the Las Vegas Knights uh, played their first NHL game in Vegas. Uh, they won. The the energy was there. Now there's no crowd, but I feel like there's, there's going to be a lot of energy at play. You know, John Gruden's going to be ready to rock. So I'm I'm willing to take a shot with the So for for Tug the Hedger, I I am in an interesting predicament. I am in the mix for my confidence pool. Uh, I I'm within uh you know striking distance of a of a win here, which would be worth in the realm of 300, probably 350 bucks. I'm assuming everybody took the Saints. I have an opportunity here. I took the Saints. I have an opportunity here to change my pick and take the Raiders whilst betting on the Saints as a hedge. I think that's got to be my move here. What's what's the number in the in the confidence pool? I have so I have uh, my, the only game left is is ten points. I have ten. But, I have, but at what number? Uh, oh no! Just to win. Just to win. Oh my God! Um, you, the only number you have left is ten. Yeah. Wow. That'd be amazing. Um, I, cause I, cause what do you, do you know where you like, do you know if like you pick 10, the saints, do you even finish? So, so yeah, if, if, if the Saints, what, do you know where you're on the standings? Yeah. Yeah. I know where I'm in the standings. Uh, but I, I've only, I've only got one game wrong the whole week for one point, And that was the New York football giants. So somebody has gone perfect because they didn't pick the giants and well, a lot uh, of favorites out there. It was a great betting favorites weekend. So yeah. Yeah, um, makes sense. So he's going to get it right if the Saints win, and I'm going to get it right if the Saints win, and I won't jump him. So I'm thinking about flipping my my pick. It'll hurt me in the long term standings, but whatever. You don't play to extend the game. You play to win the week. <laughs> you play to win the week. Yeah, I mean, if there's a fun middle like with the with the Saints, you got plus five, right, or yeah. minus five. Yeah. I don't know. Keep keep us posted. Let us know on I, social media. What I, what I might do it. is I, I made my prediction of a Saints cover, but I might just go heavy Saints money line and hedge with a winning uh, confidence pool bet on the Raiders. My degenerate gambling knows no bounds. Uh, I love it. Tug, where can people watch Now We're Talking? Yes. Thank you to everyone who's watching. Now we're talking season one and two. You can go to CWC. It is free on your Roku, your uh, Fire Stick, your Apple TV. You can go on a phone app. It's really clean, really easy to do. And on your computer, you can see shows like Shit's Creek. Now we're talking. Everybody hates Chris. A bunch of the game, a bunch of comedies. Uh, and they're adding more too. So go check out the show and tweet at me at Tug Coker or hit me a DM on Instagram at Tug Coker. Um, and let me know that you're watching the show. Uh, really appreciate all the support so far. And uh, again, shout out to our boy, Andy Ruther, all the thoughts in the world go out to Ruther and the Ruther family. And, um, you know, I wish I was here with you all for, for different reasons. I cannot uh, second that enough. Uh, everybody send all your, your good blessings to Andy. Uh, we miss him. We hope he's back soon. Uh, I know he will be one way or the other. Uh, fuck 2020, wear a mask, uh, follow Andy on all his things, rate, review, and subscribe to his podcast because uh, when he comes back, we want to be strong. And I know the Dirty Sports fam will take care of us. Uh, the only plug for me today is I am now on Cameo. So if you, oh, wow. want, if you want me to, uh, you know, serve your uh, a Michael Jordan stan or argue with a Kobe Bryant slurper for you, if you want to... Uh, Bill Walton to wish you a happy birthday or Coach Oda 
quit your job for you. I'm on Cameo, whatever you want, whatever you need. Find me on Cameo and I'll make a Cameo for you. That's I'm it, buying. Tug. That's I'll it, Tug. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for joining us. And, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you're not back too soon. Everybody watching exactly now, we're right. talking and stay dirty. <laughs>